Welcome to Central Assembly's podcast. Here is a message from our lead pastor, Kurt Jenkins. We pray this message speaks to you. I want to talk to you uh, today. We're going to continue. We're going to final, finalize, conclude our uh, sermon series on Destined for Breakthrough. And I want to talk to you today about how you can give your way out of financial struggles. If you think about money, it is quite possibly the biggest problem in marriages that causes tension in marriage. For young adults who aren't married, this is one of the biggest worries of what, you know, as I'm starting my career, as I'm starting to work and so on, how am I going to pay back college debt? How am I going to make it in this world? And even for uh, working adults, am I going to be able to save enough for retirement? And then for older adults, once you're retired, am I going to have enough? Money is constantly on our minds. So about five weeks ago, we took a survey What areas do you want to see breakthrough in your life? Finances was extremely high, and I'm assuming it's for a variety of reasons today. So what I want you to do, if you usually take notes, there's a notepad in front of you. If you just want to think about it, that's fine. But I want you to think about in your own life two or three areas that you would desire to see financial breakthrough. And ushers, if you're wondering, we are going to receive an offering at the end of service because I want to do it as an act of worship. I'm not calling for a special offering or anything like that. I want to do it in faith today, different than what we usually do. But I want you to think about or write down two or three areas of financial breakthrough you'd want to see. Maybe it is college debt uh, removed. Maybe it's your mortgage. Maybe you're just trying to, to pay your bills and you're struggling with it and you think about it constantly. The Lord does not want that to be a worry. He does not want finances to be on your mind. He wants him to be on your mind, knowing that you'll take care, he'll take care of your finances. You know, and I, I know some people, they get uncomfortable. Oh, the pastor's going to talk about money today. He just wants me to give more. He wants me to do this or that. Listen, I can speak about finances very clearly because I give, and I've seen the personal benefits in my life from giving. Sharice and I have experienced in the times where things were tight, where the knock would be on the door, and by the time we would get there, we wouldn't see who it was, but the bag of food would be there. We've experienced at times of people, loved ones, and complete strangers giving us money. We've experienced times of receiving money in the mail when we were struggling, because we've always given. We've always tithed and, and beyond that and given to missions, so we've seen the Lord work in that area. So I can preach about money and talk about tithing and talk about giving because I don't have any secret motives. I'm a personal testimony to what God can do when you're just faithful with your giving to the Lord. So there's no secret problems or hidden problems. We're going to talk about a benefit of giving to the Lord. You know, if you think about exercise, uh, if, uh, if somebody would say to you, if you exercise your body, the result of that will be greater health and strength, right? You wouldn't say, oh, that person just wants me to exercise more. Would you say that? No, because you would see there's added benefits to it. Or if somebody would say, listen, if you just practice driving when you're you know, 16 years old, practice driving, drive more, drive more. And the benefit is you'll be a safer driver. They wouldn't just say, oh, mom and dad just wants me to drive more. No, there's results of that, of being a safer driver. So it's not just the pastor saying, oh, he just wants me to give more. They want me to pay my dues. Absolutely not. Giving is for the benefit of the believer. It's threaded throughout scripture. And I'm gonna hopefully show you some of those today. Well, I feel like, Finances was so high on that is because we have come into agreement with a lie from the enemy. He whispers lies to us and we believe them and then we live out of agreement in those lies. So one of the lies is I'll never have enough. And yet the Bible talks clearly about us being able to provide for other people who are in need, about taking care of the poor and needy and about using our money to advance the kingdom. 
So if you're believing I'll never have enough, then you're actually not believing the scriptures that say you can use your money to advance the kingdom. There's another lie. I'll always be in debt, right? How many of you, you may have never said it, but you're probably thinking it. I'll never get out of debt. And yet the Bible says that we, followers of God, should be the lender and not the borrower, the head and not the tail. So if the Bible that you believe and the Savior that you believe in is saying something different than how you're living because of the lies that we might be believing, we need to break those lies. Does that make sense? Another lie, I won't have a large enough retirement to live off of. Yet several times throughout Proverbs, it talks about being wise and storing up for future generations. So it's not about saying, well, I have to have as much as this person, or I have to have two million or three million. No, listen, you'll have enough. If you actually believe what Proverbs say and you believe what God's word is saying, you'll break agreement with those lies. Another lie, I shouldn't be wealthy so I don't become prideful or wasteful. You look through the Bible and see some of the men of God that followed after them. They were some of the most wealthy men walking the earth. Then the tension rises. Wait, is he saying everybody should be rich? Listen, I'm not comparing how much wealth you have to how spiritual you are. I'm not saying that. I'm saying we have to break the lie that a Christian can't be extremely wealthy. If we believe that money helps advance the gospel message and helps buy resources and get them into heirs of the world that money, without money, it couldn't do, then we have to believe the Lord wants to use the finances of believers to advance his kingdom. So we have to break that lie. Another thing, I shouldn't have nice things because there are people around the world suffering. I'm not saying you have to have the best things. I'm just saying when the Lord had the tabernacle made, when the Lord had the temple made, he used Nice things. Think about what heaven's gonna look like. There's really nice things. Gold, jasper, jewels, gems, all those things. I'm not saying, now don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying, well, when, the next time I buy a watch, I should, I'm a Christian, so I should go out and buy the nicest watch. I'm not saying that. I'm saying don't believe the lie of the enemy. If somebody gives you something nice, someone blesses you, then you say, oh, no, 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 I can't accept that. Now, some of you in the room, maybe the Lord has, has, is leading you to live a, a very simple life, right? To give everything away, not to have anything extra. That's perfectly fine. You live under the conviction that the Lord is leading you to live by. But there is a lie that says that God just wants me to scrape by so I keep trusting in him. How about this? Instead of, how, instead of having to trust him just to make it, what if we had to trust him to tell us what to do with the abundance in our life? Why do you think if you have an abundance that you're gonna fall out of trust from the Lord? I could do it all on my own now. I got enough to pay my bills. No, how about if you've trusted him to pay your bills? Once he starts providing to pay your bills, trust that he's gonna speak to you of what to do with the abundance. And I believe there's scriptures that back every single one of these things up. So I just wanna give you three principles. I'm not gonna teach them in order. I'm just gonna talk about them. Afterward, three giving principles I think the Lord, uh, I know that the Lord gave me for financial breakthrough is to give out of obedience, to give with faith, and to give as an act of worship. These are not the only principles of giving or laws of giving in scripture, but these are the things that I feel like the Lord wanted me to share today is to give out of obedience, to give with faith, and to give as an act of worship. So I just want to give you a quick background of giving in the Bible. 
Uh, we hear the word tithe a lot in, in churches, you know, people that, that uh, give their tithes. Tithe simply means tenth or 10%. So in the Old Testament, it was a law that people had to bring 10%, but it was of their harvest of their crops that came forth. And they brought it to a place of worship. They brought it to the tabernacle and then eventually to the temple, which was in Jerusalem. It's a little bit more complex than that. We're not gonna spend a lot of time on it. But if you understand tenth or tithe means tenth. And in the Old Testament, it was crop. It was food. It, it, was, uh, it, it was seed that they were bringing. They were not bringing cash to the temple. And you'll find out uh, just in a moment here why. In, in modern day, we've translated that like most of you don't grow crops on your land, so you're not bringing in seed and wheat and fruit uh, to the church. So we've translated that into money. But if people are saying, if people ever teach you, listen, in Scripture, they're telling you, in the Old Testament, bring your money, I want you to understand it was a tithe of their crop. In the Old Testament, it was a law. When you think of the law of God, sometimes we think of the Ten Commandments, but actually there were 613 laws and commandments that the Jewish people followed. Giving of their tithe was one of them. They were under the law. So in the Old Testament, there are three types of tithes. Again, uh, we're, we're, I'm not setting this forth in our church body. I'm just showing you the biblical foundation of how they gave in the Old Covenant. The first one was a sacred tithe. This was a tithe of giving out of obedience and worship. So this principle was set forth even in the Old Testament. In Leviticus 27, it says one-tenth, which is a tithe, of the produce of the land. So one-tenth, if they had all this space they grew, they took a tenth of it, they brought it, uh, it says, whether the grain or the fruit belongs to the Lord, it must be set apart to him as holy. So the Lord's commanding them to bring a tenth of their produce, a tenth of their harvest to him, but not just, hey, just slide it aside, but it actually says here that it was to be set apart to him as holy. How many of you know that's worship? When you set anything aside, when you set your words aside, your time aside, whatever it is, when you're setting something apart to be holy to him, you're using it as worship. So though it was commanded, it was commanded to be a part of worship, an act of worship. The second uh, one was the tithe of feasts. Now this was actually eaten as a celebration. So if you ever wanna bring a tithe to church and then eat it, I'm not gonna look weird because it's money now, but they actually brought forth on the way to the temple. It says there you will bring uh, this is in Deuteronomy chapter 12. You'll bring your burnt offerings, sacrifices, tithes, sacred offerings, offerings to fulfill a vow, voluntary offerings, all these things. And it says here, there you and your families will feast in the presence of the Lord your God. So this was an act of obedience. They were giving out of obedience, but they actually got to partake in it. Why? It says that you will rejoice in all you, uh, I'm sorry, you will rejoice in all you have accomplished. Why? Because the Lord your God has blessed you. So this was, as, the, as you're bringing this forth, as they're bringing it to the temple and they begin to have a feast with this, what was that? That was an act of worship. Because what are they doing as they're eating it? They're saying, God, you provided all these things for me. You've blessed me with abundance. So they actually were able to partake in it themselves as they thanked God. So listen, giving should never be out of obligation. Giving should never be a due. You're not paying your membership dues, none of that stuff. It's between you and the Lord, but it should be out of obedience because he's asked us to, and it should be out of a, uh, an act of worship. And then also we'll talk about faith here as well. 
The third type of tithe in the Old Testament was a tithe for the poor. This was to supply for those who were in need. So this was giving in faith. If you're gonna give to somebody else who has need, how many of you know you need faith to know that God is going to provide for you also? Does that make sense? So it's not, it's not, oh, you have more than enough, you don't have to worry about it, now let's just give to the poor. No, as you're giving to someone else who is in need, that is giving in faith. You're giving, believing the Lord is going to provide. Now, if I could just pause for a moment, let's admit there are people here today that are unemployed, that are in a major amount of debt, that have severe needs, large college, all that kind of stuff. I'm not setting all that stuff aside. I'm just saying, if you're in that situation, and again, I speak from personal experience. Remember the first time Sharice and I sat down before we got married and we figured out the finances, we included our college loans in there, and the, the expenses versus our income, our expenses far outweighed our income. Not once did we ever say, let's stop giving for a season so we can figure this out. We couldn't afford what our bills were, but we couldn't afford to stop giving. We had a strong enough conviction our entire life that as we give to him, not out of obligation, oh, I'm paying my debt, I'm paying my dues to him. No, absolutely not. That's not gonna bear any fruit in your life. But as you give to him as Lord and Savior, as King of your life, with faith that it will produce a harvest. If you've noticed, we haven't foreclosed on our house. Our kids aren't so super skinny because we can't feed them. He's always provided. So I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not the pastor who needs more money asking you to give more. I, I'm just gonna keep breaking that because the enemy of that will come into your heart and you won't hear a thing from scripture. Giving is for the benefit of the giver. God was perfectly fine before any of us were ever created. Right? The earth was doing well. There was fruit trees and, and beautiful. It was beautiful. He was perfectly fine. So to think I'm speaking a message because we need money. Like God is well able enough to provide the money that he wants Central to have to fulfill the vision that he has for this church. It's for your benefit. It's for your benefit. So the tithe for the poor is in Deuteronomy 14, 28. Every third year, the tithe was brought to the nearest town, not to the temple, but to the nearest town. And it was so the priests who did not receive any allotment of land would actually be able to eat. And so the orphans and the widows would be able to eat and be satisfied. And at the end of verse, I think that's 29, it says, then the Lord your God will bless you in all your work. I love that. At the end of every three years, it wasn't taken, this is very practical. Do you see this? Like it's a very practical act. So the priests who worked in the temple could actually eat. That's about as practical as it gets. And then so the widows and the orphans, the poor in that area could eat. But something so practical like taking grain to a local storehouse and then walking away, you don't think that's worship. But what is God? The God of all creation says, then I will bless not just what you have, but actually bless your work. So as you're working and he's blessing what you're doing, which was mostly farming back then, guess what happens to your harvest? It gets larger and larger. Not just so you have the gold watch, but so then you can, again, care for those who are in need. 
Throughout the Old Testament, there's verses on giving. I wanna talk about Malachi 3 just for a few moments here. In Malachi 3.8, it says, "'Will a man rob God, yet you rob me, "'but you ask, how do we rob you?' So the Lord says, "'In tithes and offerings.'" Then he makes a statement here. He says, you're under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you're robbing me. So if you look at these verses, this is including both tithes and offerings. It's not just tithing, but it's actually about giving. It's about a position of your heart, which we'll talk about in a few moments. I've said this before, and I'll say it again. God is not cursing his children in the new covenant. We are in the new covenant. So I don't want you to go home and think I've never given to the Lord before and now I'm gonna be under a curse. The devil is the one who wants to destroy your finances. The devil's the one that wants to put a curse on all of your debts so you can't pay it off. It's not God tormenting you with your finances. You're his child, he wants to bless you and he wants to prosper you. He wants you to have more than enough that you could bring something to the storehouse to serve and to give to people who are in need. What happens is when we don't give, we're keeping to ourselves. It's not about the transaction. It wasn't about the seed and the wheat. It's not about the cash transaction. It's about the condition of your heart. So when they weren't giving, then God knew the position of their heart, the condition of the heart. So when the devil observes that, what he'll do is he'll attack different areas of your finances because he knows you're trying to do it yourself. I'm keeping it for myself. I can do it myself. And the devil will try to isolate you in those areas. But in verse 10, it says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Again, very practical. It was feeding the Levites who, who didn't have an allotment of land. So what was the instruction for them and the benefit for others? That they were gonna bring 10% of the grain, the produce and the harvest to the place of worship. The practical benefit was that there were food for the priests. Again, today that's, that's translated into money. He goes on to say this in verse 10. Test me in this, says the Lord, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough room for it. So what's the promise here? That God is the one who's going to throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out more than you have room for. You might say, well, this is one isolated incident. Well, no, it's not because I just read earlier that as you give to the poor, that the Lord will bless the work of your hands. And it's throughout the New Testament as well. So I want you to see the promise is, is as you're giving to him, it was a law then in the New Testament, it's not a law. So now you're giving out of the abundance of what you have. You're giving out of obedience to him as the Holy Spirit leads you. I'm not here to set down a law to say 10% payment if you come to Central. Absolutely not. We're in a different covenant now. We're not under the law. But we have a basis to start from that then we could give out of. So you might say, well, okay, if the curse isn't from God, how can the blessing be from God? Well, we've read throughout scriptures as well. Jesus became the curse so that we could be blessed by God. So all of the punishment that I would deserve for my sins or for my not giving or for my unkindness, Jesus paid for those things on the cross so that we could be blessed by God. God's not cursing us anymore, yet there are consequences of living in disobedience because you open up the door of your heart to the enemy to attack. It's not God cursing you. As his child, he wants to bless you in many more ways than just finances. I thought it's interesting here. He says he's gonna throw open the floodgates, pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough room for it. 
I started thinking like, I've always pictured uh, those big silos on farms with like just wheat or corn or whatever, just overflowing and just laying on the ground there. And the Lord showed me just a few days ago, why do you think I give you more than what you can have room for? See, in America, when our house fills up with stuff, we go and we rent garages to store our stuff. And then when that fills up, we rent more garages to fill our stuff. They didn't do that back then. So if there's more than enough than what your storeroom can hold, guess what you're supposed to do with it? You take it to somebody who has a lot of room of storage because they don't have a lot of resources. It's a beautiful picture that we will have all that we need. He will supply for all of our needs and more to supply for the needs of others. And that's the freedom that we have in the new covenant is we get to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit of are we gonna give to missions? Are we gonna give to the poor? Are we gonna find somebody in our neighborhood to give to? You have the freedom to interact with the Holy Spirit in those ways and have fun giving out of the freedom of your heart. So there's one thing that we can control and that's our giving. You might be thinking, okay, the promise is there. I've been tithing. I don't have a job. I'm in debt. We're in severe financial struggle. What you don't wanna do is start giving out of fear of going broke. Because if you're giving, like if you're like, God, I'm afraid that I'm going to, and you just start paying it and there's not faith in it and you're not doing it out of obedience, you're not doing it as worship, you're actually putting your faith in growing broke. Think about that. If the reason why you're giving is just out of this fear that you're never going to have enough, your faith is in that fear. Your fear is what's driving it. Instead of saying, I don't have a clue how this is gonna work out. I'm not saying you don't have to be nervous. I'm not saying you're like, okay, Lord, like I'm really nervous and I'm shaking right now, but I'm giving out of obedience. And I'm giving because you are my king. And I believe you could do more with my 90% or 80% or whatever it is that's left over than I could do with all of it on my own. That doesn't mean you're not scared the first time you give. Or if you're giving right now and the Lord's asking you to give to something else or another organization or whatever. If you're visiting with us today, to your church, to a ministry that you trust in, that you know, well, however it relates to you. But we have to give with that faith that he will in time break open, break open the floodgates of heaven until you have more than enough to benefit people around you. I love in verse 11 here, this is the Lord's promise. So the, the floodgates, we could picture in faith, the floodgates are already opening. Even if you don't see it, if you haven't seen it in 10 years, I would say continue to be faithful to the Lord because he'll always be faithful to you. So there's a promise there in provision and there's a promise in protection here. This is your insurance policy right here. Verse 11, I will, this is the Lord, I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not cast their fruit. That means it's not gonna just drop and be wasted on the ground. So when people give to the Lord, the Lord's saying, I'm preventing these things that ruin what you already have from coming against you. I love what it says in the New American Standard Bible. You can put that next slide up. In verse 11, it says, then I, the Lord, will rebuke the devourer for you. Isn't that amazing? 
We don't have to, like, this isn't like some big secret. This isn't uh, a, pro, a calculation. This is you listening to the Lord, giving out of an act of obedience in faith that he will provide for you, that he will rid you of any selfishness or materialism. And God's like, listen, I'm gonna step in here. I'm gonna bust wide the gates of heaven. And while I'm doing that, I'm also, I, the Lord, will rebuke the devourer for you. I have to admit to you, when I was younger, <clears throat> a younger adult, but uh, when I was renting and then owning a house, I used to think, you know, within a week's time, if my brakes started to squeak and then something else broke in the house and then the furnace, I used to check myself. Am I praying enough? Am I reading enough? Is the Lord trying to send me a message? And then you catch a revelation. The Lord wants to bless you and protect you and provide for you. The Lord's not showing, the Lord's not disciplining you by breaking your air conditioning or your heater the Lord's disciplining you through the Holy Spirit, through his word, and through other trusted friends that you let speak into your life. The devourer is trying to devour your goods. He's trying to devour what the Lord is providing for you. He wants you cold on a winter's night. I'm not saying you have to imagine a demon going through your HVAC system. I'm just saying it's not the Lord. So if things are breaking and you're giving, Maybe just retract your giving and say, okay, I'm gonna give in faith now. I'm gonna increase my faith in you. You don't even have to increase what you're giving. Say, God, I'm giving in faith based on that word now. So as I give, I'm declaring that you are rebuking the devourer in my life. Because it says it in his word. We have a testimony to share. Andrew, I want you to come up at this time. I want you to hear a testimony of, of Andrew Neff here of exactly what has happened here, how he started to give and how the devourer has been rebuked, more testimonies uh, coming from it. The fruit will not be cast and be wasted. Andrew. Good morning, church family. Revelation 12, 11 says, they triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. That's what this is about this morning. This isn't about me. This is about what faith in God can do. Um. A few weeks ago, well, in January for Declare, one of my, um, one of my commitments was that I was going to start tithing. I hadn't been tithing for a while. I know, I know the principles. I know the concepts. I know that God blesses when we give in faith. So I purposed in my heart that I was going to start tithing in the worst possible time that I could possibly start tithing <laughs> because I'm in uh, an interesting stage of life right now. I'm in the middle of a divorce so my two-income home my, you know, has become a one-income home. So things are tight. There's sometimes not quite enough at the end, right? Um, my paycheck uh, also went down $200 a month January 1st just because of benefits going up. At some point, I think they stop becoming benefits, don't they? <laughs> Whoo, buddy. So anyway, so I purposed I was going to start tithing January 1st, which I did. First thing, I got my my paycheck, I went to the, the website, did the push pay, paid that first, and then I went and started doing my bills. Things were tight. My kids were asking me, geez, dad, how come we don't ever have, have any money? I'm like, well, because that's the way it is right now. <laughs> so uh, I wanted to say first, uh, the phrase purpose, I purposed in my heart to make a change. There's something to that. It's more than making a decision. It wasn't okay, now I'm going to decide to do, make the right decision and be obedient to God. There was something deeper. There was, there was a spiritual connection with the decision to do something different, to, 
to relinquish that tight-fisted control I have on my finances because things were kind of out of control, right? So I purposed in my heart, there was, there was, a, there was a God aspect of it, and I want you to catch that. So um, a few weeks ago, Monday evening, I was paying my bills, and uh, I got to the end, and uh, I, I, there wasn't enough. There just wasn't, the, the, the payout was more than what was in the account. And I'm going, okay, God, well, I, I don't know what to do here. So, so I backed out the car payment before I, you know, hit finish and backed out the car payment, had enough, had a couple bucks left over. And uh, I thought, well, if I, I, can, I can pay the car payment, if I, if I pay it the, the very same day I get my next paycheck, it might not be late. So and I'm, you know, robbing Peter to pay Paul, you know, it's going to put me in a lurch for the next round of bills, but that's what we're going to do. So I pulled it out, fleeting, fleeting thought, just for a second. You know, you could pay your car payment if you took that tithe back. And when I tell you it was a fleeting thought, it really was. I went, no, I've purposed in my heart to do this. I am not going back. It's not just a decision in my mind that I can just, that can be unmade. This is a commitment of my heart in faith, connecting with God's heart, saying, I have faith that you will do something amazing. Tuesday night, went to men's group. And I, the, the whole meeting was about faith. Hebrews 11 Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And I'm going, I don't see it. I don't, there's an answer here, but I don't see it. I know, God, you're going to come through, but I don't see it. There's, but the evidence was in my heart. There was something going on in my heart. It was different than anything I'd, that I'd experienced before. So at the end of the meeting, after we'd gone through that faith chapter, you know, by faith, Abel did this. By, by faith, Abraham did this. And I noticed throughout that faith chapter... It was men did something. It wasn't by faith they believed that God could do something. They did something. There was an action involved. For me, that action was paying that tithe first thing before I touched my bills. I did something out of faith. So I shared with the men, guys, this is where I'm at. I'm struggling. I'm having a hard time. I got to the end and my $200 car payment, it wasn't covered. There wasn't enough there. I had to back it out. I know God's going to do something big. I don't understand it. I don't know. I even, I think I used the word ridiculous. God's got to do something ridiculous. He's got to do something amazing that doesn't make any sense at all. Remember last week when Pastor Todd was talking about footholds and about how cop puts his foot there in the door? Faith had a foothold in my life. Footholds aren't always negative. Good things from the Spirit of God can have a foothold in your life. We talked about faith. Faith rose up in me. It got stronger. It got more, more confident. So I went home that night and I went, all right, tomorrow I'm going to take the day off from work and I'm going to work on my bills. I'm going to call my creditors. I'm going to go to some banks. I'm going to call my service providers, my cell phone provider, my gas provider. I'm going I'm to do some work. I'm going to spend some time on the phone and do, do the next right thing by faith. God's going to do something. I don't know what it is, but I know he's going to come through. So the next morning I got up, went downstairs. First thing I did, I'm going to clean off my desk. So I cleaned off, getting rid of old mail, going through some stuff, found a, a letter from my mortgage company. It looks like all the other mail you get from the mortgage company. We, we, uh, we updated our privacy policy, you know, that kind of stuff. So I opened it up, I'm reading it through, and I just went, whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait a minute, what was that? <laughs> and I went back to the top and I started reading. And it said, hang on, let me get my notes. 
It said, due to a miscalculation, there was an overpayment to your escrow account from, get this, July of 2015 to June of 2016. Please find the enclosed refund in the amount of $721.89. I mean, come on. Only God can do something like that. I needed 200 bucks. He gave me 720. I paid that off. I paid something else. And I had a good week with the kids because we had some money to spend that weekend. Okay? So... (laughs) So now I also feel that we have a responsibility again to do something. So I still took that day off. I still went and called my creditors and was literally on the phone for four hours. My mortgage went down as a result of this 50 bucks. My direct TV bill went down 77 bucks. Sprint, 88 bucks. Debt, 100 bucks and a lot of interest. Gym membership, 10 bucks. There's $325 a month that that I found in a budget that I had already looked for it. So God, God, God can do that. He can do it in ways that are ridiculous, that, that don't make sense. And he, he does this. Now, the crazy thing is that even over and above the, the miracle that he did for me that I needed at the moment, I've been praying for my kids. God, find a way to draw my kids back to you. Find something that really gets to them. And would you believe that this miracle for my finances was a hook that drew my daughter back to him? How unrelated is that? But for her, it was a miracle. She, she sat in the car with me one night and said, Dad, I feel like God did that miracle for me. And I went, what? <laughs> so, so I took her and her friends to, to The Rock this last week, and they're jazzed and excited about coming back. Um, God does things that we don't understand when we're able to, to in faith, get that, get that faith ground into our hearts and do something and trust him. Not, it's, it's not about the tithe necessarily. It's about what we're allowing him to do. I, I relinquish control of this because you've got it better than I do. I've been trying this. It doesn't work. Here. It's all yours anyway. That's yeah. Thank you. Great job. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. For all of you sitting there, if you exist, yeah, but that was him. No, that's a lie. That's for you, too. For you to say, well, that's just him. That's a lie of the enemy. That is for you also. I want 10 to 15 minutes of your time. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finalize this about breaking this in our own personal lives, and we're going to do something as a corporate body. In the New Testament, so, so all throughout the Old Testament, the standard was set of 10%. So Sharice and I, not because it's an Old Testament law, because we're not under the law anymore. The, the early church didn't have a hard, fast law to give 10% of your money. We, as a, as a family, see the standard in the Old Testament. So we use that as a starting point. We don't, we don't have our kids work up to it. It's a starting point that our children and, and my wife and I start with, and then above that, and then missions and building fund, and as the Lord leads in other areas. So I'm not telling you a hard, fast rule. Here at Central, it's 10%. No, that was under the law. What I'm saying is I believe that anything in the new covenant is going to be increased and better and beyond what the old covenant was. And and Jesus actually taught on that. I'm not going to get into the time in other areas. 
In 2 Corinthians 9, we have read this verse over and over for the past couple years. And it says here, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Okay, so that could be an ouch moment in our lives, but the blessing is, is right after it. Whoever sows generously, this is New Testament, New Covenant, will also reap generously. Now it says, so there's a sowing and reaping aspect. Now, for our eternal home, we sow death and sin and destruction, yet we reap eternal life because of Christ Jesus. So we've been given an inheritance, but to access that inheritance by faith, there is a sowing and reaping law that is very clear in scripture. In verse seven, it says, each man should give what he or she has decided in his or her heart to give. This is new covenant. Decide in your heart what to give, but know in the Old Testament, it started at 10%. It says, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, okay? So in the old covenant, the law was written on stone. In the new covenant, do you know where the law is written? In your heart. What does scripture say to do? Decide in your heart what to give. That doesn't mean that you go and you figure out with a calculator and you figure out and that's in my heart. No, the law of God is in your heart. So you go to him and say, Lord, I believe this is possible. I believe there are standards that are set forth and I'm gonna give in faith. So now when you are giving out of your heart, it's actually in partnership with the Lord. And it says not under compulsion. If you've never given to the Lord before and you feel pressured and tense, don't give when we receive the offering in a few minutes. In fact, I'm not having the offering at the end of service secretly hoping for the biggest offering ever. No, I'm actually looking forward to the testimonies of things being broken off your life because you gave out of obedience to what the Lord said, you gave in faith that he will provide, and you gave as an act of worship, which maybe you've never done before. I like those tense moments. Why is he giving, why are you doing this at the end? For your benefit, I'm doing it at the end for your benefit. So what I taught on and I've preached on the last couple of years is a cheerful giver, a cheerful giver, a cheerful giver. It says God loves a cheerful giver. So don't feel pressure. Don't feel, you know, compul uh, under compulsion, a cheerful giver. I started looking at that. and I'm like, wait a minute. That's out of order. Is if, if we are, so the reality is, is this. Sometimes you're not a cheerful giver when you actually start giving. Sometimes you're really nervous and you're scared. And like Andrew said it so well, I don't know if this is going to work. And then once you started calculating it, it didn't work. So you're not getting to a place of having joy in your heart to start giving. When you give out of obedience, and you, because the Lord's told you what to give, and then you give with faith that he'll provide, then it's out of that obeying your heavenly father that joy comes. So it's not about the money transaction that gives you joy. It's out of I'm obeying what the leading of the Holy Spirit is doing. And out of that, I'm worshiping him with my money and my faith is rising. So now I'm not worried, but I'm believing in him. So guess what comes? Joy. And now you become a cheerful giver. I think I've taught that out of order. Like, okay, become cheerful and then give. No, get out, give out of obedience, give with faith, give as an act of worship, and the cheerfulness will be a result. I want to go down to verse 10 quickly. It says, he who supplies seed to the sower, so that's seed to sow into the ground somewhere else, and bread for food, that's some to give, some to partake yourself. It says, will also supply and increase your store of seed. 
So as you're giving out of a cheerful heart, as you're giving in faith, he's going to supply what you need every day, but he's also going to increase the store of your seed so he can enlarge your harvest of righteousness. Now, this is where you're, you're not giving to get. The promise is, is that your, heart, your righteousness will enlarge. So it's not just a financial blessing. You're not just giving to make sure your, your ends meet. The Lord's saying, giving out of being led by the Spirit is going to do something radical in your heart. So your life changes, not just so you drive a newer car. It's so materialism is ripped out of your life and the devourer is rebuked by the Lord himself. There's so many more benefits than just financial benefits from giving to the Lord. Verse 11, you'll be made rich in every way. Why? So you can be generous on every occasion. I want you to see this. Through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. So when your giving is an act of worship to him, guess what it does? It leads other people into an act of worship. Do you see that? You're giving to the Lord. It says here, Paul's saying, as you're giving, people are going to see that through Paul, the people are giving. And it says it will result in them thanking the Lord. So maybe somebody in your neighborhood or somebody that you know is praying for a financial breakthrough and the Lord leads you to give. You don't care if they're thank you for giving. They are going to give God the honor and the glory. If somebody sees you in debt in your workplace and he sees slowly the Lord start breaking out, breaking out, breaking out, and you give testimony to the Lord doing that, they're going to say, wow, her God or his God is an amazing God. Maybe I should try what they do. So your giving as an act of worship actually brings other people into awareness that God is a good God who wants to provide. They'll give him the thanksgiving for it. Cerise and I, just uh, these past few months, or not these past few months, the previous two of these months, we felt like sluggish in our finances. Like there was just more going out than was coming in. Things weren't connecting. Some things were breaking down or just not, not getting better. So we decided uh, when Richie Seltzer was here, uh, we decided, we started to talk about it. And, and what we usually do is just give automatically. Like it automatically comes out and so on. We faithfully give. And like I said, start at 10%, give more, and then uh, missions and building fund. And as the Lord leads, special services, things like that. Uh, and then uh, Dr. Kiefer, are you back there? Dr. Kiefer has an excellent teaching on giving, tithing the tithe, giving as a form of worship. And I want you to connect with me, Darren and Jenna Bradley. Are you guys here today? Uh, they teach Financial Peace University. If you want any other resources after, just email me this week and we'll connect you with these two. Uh, so what we decided to do is stop doing it automatically. There's nothing wrong if you give automatically. What we wanted to do is reconnect our faith to this. So we, start, we started just giving just by writing an old-fashioned check. I hate writing checks. I'm not even using push pay right now. But we write the old-fashioned check and we spend the time, uh, every time we get paid, we spend a moment just praying over it doing it at, we're worshiping you with this giving. We're stopping the devourer from taking anything else that isn't rightfully his, which none of it is. In faith, we believe. So we started believing for a, a, a simple uh, increase amount, not just a, of income like from the church, just, just income of finances. It was, it was uh, when Ravenhill was here, it was within just a few hours of talking about that amount that she shared what she thought she heard from the Lord. We received a text that we got that exact amount. And within one week's time, it was a per month amount that we were talking about. Within one week's time, we had the next amount plus more than half of March's amount. So within one week, we saw God starting to do that just because we changed how we're giving. 
So we're not necessarily giving more. We're just giving out of obedience because he said, don't do it automatically for a season. So that's obeying him. We're doing it in faith that there will be more than enough. And we're doing it as an act of worship to honor him. And we're already seeing breakthrough and results in that. So this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna receive an offering. I want, I'm not, and again, I'm not waiting to pressure you or anything else. If you don't have an offering and you're not, you didn't come prepared to give and the Lord hasn't impressed it upon your heart, that's perfectly fine. If you give later on in the month, normally I want you to participate in this. But I want you to look at or I want you to think about those financial needs and struggles right now because we're gonna break those lies. We're gonna come out of agreement with those lies and we're gonna give. I want you to see your money as something more than just paying bills with. I want you to see your money as a powerful tool in the hands of a believer that are going to destroy the works of the enemy as you give to advance his kingdom. So I actually want you, I want you, Sharice, you can come up with me. I want you to, if you came with a check today, if you came with cash today, if you usually give with push pay, get your cell phone out and hold that. If you give ongoing or automatic, get your wallet out. I just want you to have a point of contact, something that, that provides faith. If you've never given before, just come along for the ride right now. So I want, you to hold, I want you to hold it. If you're giving today, again, grab your wallet if you're not. In fact, that is a point of contact for your faith. So if you've never given to the Lord before at all, don't, you don't have to give today. Are you catching my heart? but it's a point of contact for your faith that the Lord can activate. So I'm gonna to read to you uh, this declaration and then we're gonna read it together. I just want you to know what you're about to say. It says, Lord, today I give to you out of loving obedience, believing that joy will enter my heart as I give. I have faith that you are now breaking the lies of the enemy in my life, dealing with finances. Your word promises that you will protect me from the devourer, when I give, so I hereby declare that the devourer has no more grip on my money and that I will prosper by having more than enough on all occasions. And I'll worship you with my giving and thank you for providing for all my needs. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so if, you're, if you have faith for it to believe today, let's read it together. Lord, today I give to you out of loving obedience, believing that joy will enter my heart as I give. I have faith that you are now breaking the lies of the enemy in my life dealing with finances. Your word promises that you will protect me from the devourer when I give, so I hereby declare that the devourer has no more grip on my money and that I will prosper by having more than enough on all occasions." I now worship you with my giving and thank you for providing for all my needs. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Ushers, you can come forward. I'll give that to you. <clears throat> and you can start to pass it. And this is what we're gonna do corporately here. It won't take more than maybe five, five or 10 more minutes. I mentioned about Darren and Jenna Bradley and Fred Kiefer. If you want resources, practical teaching from his word on a one-to-one -one basis, just email me this week. So the building, that we're, the building that we're in right now was not the first building that the church uh, met in. If you know, right up this ramp, there's a nursery and a preschool. That was the first building that this church worshiped in here in Houston. Because of growth, uh, specifically something that took place called Miracle Sunday, this church went from mid-100s to over 500 people in one week. So the sanctuary that we're in today is actually a result of Miracle Sunday. 
and nothing to do with finances. It was with people. So this sanctuary that we're in now was built in 1976. And then the school and the few classrooms uh, that were over here were built a few years later. In 1991, uh, you'll see up there. Oh, I'm sorry. There, there should be pictures up here. You could just go straight to that picture of the three gentlemen there. In 1991, the mortgage was born, so it was burned for this entire church complex. So 76, it was built, and the school a few years later. And then to the left is Pastor Volpe, who served here for close to 37 years. The middle is a district official, and the right is Ken Stashowski, who served as our treasurer for, I believe, 15 years, and he'll be up here in just a, a few minutes. So there were plans. Uh, this, we continued to grow as a church. There were plans to build across the street where our Rock Youth Center was, but it was found unsuitable. So in 1999, there were over 100 acres that were purchased on Route 519. It was also found that it was just too expensive to build out there. So in 2001, you can go to the digging one at this time. In 2001, there was a groundbreaking ceremony for the expansion of our current buildings. You'll see two more pictures. Uh, what happened in 2001, the underpass uh, to the entrance in the foyer, uh, the recovering of the pews and recarpeting, renovated platform, the, the new nursery and preschool were put in, and behind us, a new office complex. Also, across the parking lot uh, were new adult classrooms, the children's ring was put in, we had a brand new fellowship hall, and the entire Rock Student Center uh, was put out. Now, this created a mortgage of $3.5 million, and now you're thinking, ah, oh, this is why he preached on money, he's receiving an offering, <laughs> or not. <laughs> We're not asking you for money today. What I, want, what I want Janice Stashowski to do is to come up. You can come up now with your husband, Ken. I want her to share with you what the Lord told her almost 20 years ago about a simple act of obedience, which I believe is actually a prophetic act that he wants this church to do. So she's talked with different pastors about it. We've waited patiently, and we feel like today uh, is the day for her to release this. So Janice and Ken, they've been members here for 36 years. So they've seen the, the comings and goings of finances and the buildings. Like I said, Ken served as a treasurer for 15 years. I want Janice to share and I'm just gonna close and then you'll have an opportunity to just partner with us again, no special offering, uh, with us after this. Before I start, I want to make it very clear what this is not. This is not a program. I'm not asking for money. I'm asking for your prayers. And Kurt already said that we, uh, my husband Ken and I attended Central for 36 years. And uh, through all the building projects. And 20 years ago, I felt God said, go to the bank and get $1 bills and pray over them for the church mortgage to be paid off. I asked a few people to join me in praying. After praying over the $1 bills, we put them in the building fund. Sorry, I'm so nervous. <laughs> Years later, I felt God told me to go to the bank and get more $1 bills and pray over them and pass them out to anyone in the church who would agree with me in prayer that the debt the church has would be paid off. I spoke to Pastor Kurt about what I felt God told me, and he said it was okay. 
We have waited for the right time to present it, and today is the day. I have put, and this is high tech, I want you to know, because I'm a very high tech person. I have put a $1 bill in a baggie with five scriptures. If you will agree to pray, please take one at the end of the service and begin praying over these scriptures for our mortgage to be paid off for whatever length of time that the Lord leads you to pray. After your faith is built up through prayer, please put the $1 bill in the building fund by marking a giving envelope with mortgage. Please join me now in prayer for our church to be debt-free. Father, in obedience to you, I pray that these $1 bills, which represent the complete payoff of Central Assembly's debt, would accomplish what you said, a debt-free church. May you alone be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. So much, great job. So this is where we are. We have two point one million dollar mortgage right now. I think it's like thirteen or fifteen thousand dollars a month. The Lord has blessed the church. The Lord has has provided for the church. So this is not out of a desperate need or plea. We feel like this is the right time. Twenty years coming. The Lord spoke to Janice, and we feel like today is a prophetic act that those of you who call Central your home can partner with us. In the natural, this probably seems, any business-minded people out there, this seems completely illogical. How are, you know, 400 and some $100 bill or $1 bills going to pay off? It's not the money that's paying it off. What we're doing is we're giving out of obedience, we're giving in faith, and we're giving as an act of worship. For you business-minded people also, this is not a pyramid scheme where we're secretly hoping you find two more people that will give $1. We even talked about it as a pastoral staff. We're not even secretly hoping that you add a little bit more to yours, to, to that $1. We're actually doing something that seems illogical that Lord, the Lord said to a trusted member of the church 20 years ago. But do, you, do you understand the practicality of this? We're pre- you're, if you want to agree with us that the mortgage will be miraculously paid off, you will take a baggie today after. You will pray over those scriptures until your faith is built up enough that you feel like you can give that $1 back in faith. What I like about this is maybe you've never given to the Lord before, but once that $1 bill is in your hands, it's not Janice's, it's yours. So now it's your dollar that you are giving in faith, out of obedience, as an act of worship. And now I do believe that will, that will do something miraculous in your own heart in the area of giving. For those of you who are just like, I don't understand this. Throughout the scriptures, uh, the Lord has shown illogical things uh, to, to happen. And then his miracles took place. Like so in 2 Kings, Naaman was told to dip in water seven times. It wasn't healing waters. Seven times and he was completely healed. Joshua, his army was told to march around Jericho one time a day for seven, six days. On the seventh day, they were supposed to march around seven times. The priests were to blow the horns and everybody was supposed to shout really loud and the wall was gonna come down. 
Yeah, because that sounds logical, right? Blow your horn and scream and a big wall's gonna fall down. Guess what they did? They marched around for six days. They marched seven times on the seventh day. They blew their horn, they screamed. And guess what happened? The wall came down. The book of Acts, Jesus said, go and wait in the city until my Holy Spirit comes and you'll be empowered. They waited for 10 days. These guys were not like all well-polished. They were probably quite like, what's going on? They're just sitting in this upper room 10 days, praying and pressing in, probably getting in some arguments. But God was faithful and he eventually poured out his Holy Spirit. Matthew 17, Jesus tells Peter, go catch fish, put your hand in the mouth of the first fish you grab. And that's how they paid their taxes. Doesn't sound logical. Some of you get your fisherman's license, right? He was supposed to put his hand in a fish and they pulled out a coin that they paid their taxes with. So God throughout the Bible gives what I call prophetic acts. Those are things that seem illogical to us, right? Then when, but it's out of our obedience that then God says, I have this person's heart. My, their faith now activates the hand of God. What we wanna do is encourage anybody and everybody in the family to participate in this because we wanna see miracles in our own kids' lives too. Wouldn't that be really cool if a generation coming out of Central somehow had all of their college uh, loans like paid off one by one by one? Parents that are bringing their kids here their last four years of high school because they know something amazing happens, right? Seems silly, but why not? So parents, if you have children in your house or, or you know, adults that are believers, whatever, you can take as many $1 bills as you desire based on how many people are in your house. And that if you agree to like explain the basic, depending upon how old your kids are, the basics to them, Put that, that dollar stay in their room so it's their dollar bill and explain what you're gonna do as a family. You're gonna pray through these scriptures until God builds up faith that we can, we can sow this back in. I would just ask in the most practical sense is not, don't just put it in the basket in a week or two weeks or whatever. Put it in an envelope and where it says building fund. You could just write mortgage. We just wanna make sure that we're obeying what the Lord said to do. Again, the $400, $500 that's gonna come back in, it will go toward the mortgage. That will all go directly toward the mortgage, but it's not that that's gonna pay it off. It's our faith together as a church family. This is a very significant moment, both personally for your finances, for what we preach on, and then corporately. So let's stand. Father, we just bless you now. Uh, We receive this $1 by faith into our hand. And we receive these scriptures as promises from you. And God, we've already declared that the devourer is done in our lives. And Janice has already prayed about the removal and elimination of our mortgage. So we just call it done in Jesus' name. We thank you so much for your goodness. We thank you for even your creativity of how you lead us in these simple acts of obedience. We pray for your blessing to be upon us as we go today. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week. Thank you for joining us. Be sure to check us out on the web at centralconnect.org.